0: Whether it's in a video like that or in our real life, we know that life basically is fragile. Uh, despair, disappointment, uh, they can creep up on us in our life. Or they can come in a, in a very momentous, sudden uh, display of, of uh, disappointment and, and heartache and heartbreak. And the result of that is a broken heart. And it's one of those messes of life that we have to deal with. So the issue for today is as we think about uh, for all of life's messes, how do we deal with a with broken heart? What does the Bible have to say to us about these heartbreaking experiences when life is very fragile and we deal with despair and disappointment and that seems to be the only emotion that we can know for sure? How do we come to understand how God enters into our life? And what does it mean to have a relationship with Christ so that He will help us during this time? As we look at our scripture today, we find a scripture that's in in Luke 24 on that first Easter afternoon. And two followers of Jesus Christ uh, are walking seven miles from Jerusalem back to their hometown of Emmaus. And if you could see them, you would know that they were filled with despair and with disappointment because their heads are hung low and with every step they take seems to be like dragging a concrete block along with them. Despair, discouragement, and disappointment Uh, They had been followers of Christ, and then they had seen Him crucified. They watched Him as He died on that cross. And as they walk along, they can only think about their hopes and their dreams that were shattered. And then a stranger falls in with them and begins to walk with them, and they didn't know who it was. They didn't recognize that it was Jesus, but it was Jesus who followed along with them for a while and listened to them in their dialogue and sharing their disappointment with one another. And Jesus said to them, "'What things are you talking about?' And that's where we want to pick up our scripture today in Luke 24, beginning in verse 19. "'What things?' he asked. "'About Jesus of Nazareth,' they replied. "'He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. "'The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. "'But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel.' And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, "'O foolish, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken.'" Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. and There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them. He broke the bread. As Jesus walked along with these two, as He entered into their life they were filled with despair and hopelessness and disappointment. But as He walked with them their eyes were open. They learned something about Jesus that was throughout all the Scriptures. And then as Jesus sat down at the table with them and broke the bread they finally recognized that it was Jesus. This is a very powerful incident in the life of Jesus because it reveals to us How he mended the broken hearts of these two disciples who were following after him, but yet filled with despair and filled with hopelessness and and dealing with disappointment that was still bitter in their hearts and their mouths, and yet they were forever changed. Now what do we learn from this story as we deal with all of life's messes and a broken heart? I think there are three things that we can observe. First of all is the fact that life brings the reality of heartbreaking experiences. Uh, we, We live in a messed up world and it can be cruel at some times. These two followers of Jesus were filled with despair. Verse 17 says, they stood still, their faces downcast. Their hopes and dreams had been shattered. I would imagine that in the life of every one of us, There's been some time in our life when our hopes and our dreams have been shattered as well. And there's an unending list of the things that could bring it about. A bad romance or a bad marriage, the death of someone you love, not making the team or not making the cheerleading squad, or not getting that promotion at work, or not getting the job you interviewed for, or dealing with conflict in your family. I think from the cradle to the grave, pain and despair come upon us like like waves of the ocean. And you might be in a point in your life right now where you feel like you are being just overwashed and overpowered by the waves. Or you might be at a point in your life where you are in between the waves but you know that something else is coming, is going to come. None of us are immune from trouble. We live in this world that is less than perfect. And life brings to us some of the most disappointing experiences that we can imagine. The Psalm said in Psalm 90 verse 10, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. You see despair and disappointment and broken hearts are something that all of us are familiar with. I remember reading sometime way back in my early years of where an evangelist was going into a certain city to do a revival and, and he, he sent letters to many pastors in that city to ask them about some specific situations of where people might have had their hearts broken. And one pastor took the city phone book and mailed it back to that evangelist. He was probably right because I'm sure every one of you sitting out here today had a broken heart. You've known despair and disappointment at some time in your life. We all have. That's just a part of the life experience of everyday reality in this world. I think the second thing we would have to say then is that these heartbreaking experiences can destroy your hope. See, these two disciples in Luke 24 knew what it was to have broken hearts and to have broken hopes. You hear what they say in verse 21? We had hope that he was the one when they're talking about Jesus. We had hoped that he was the one. They thought that this was the Messiah, and yet they saw him crucified, dead, and buried. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you looked at where you were, where you'd been, and wondering what was in front of you, and you've said, I had hoped by now, and then you filled in the blank. I had hoped by now. You see... Losing hope can really make you sick. The Bible says in Proverbs thirteen twelve, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life. What is it today that, that you had hoped that you would achieve or had experienced by now? Some people might say I, I had hoped by now that I would be married, or others might say I had hoped by now that I might be retired. Others might say I had hoped by now the children would be on their own. Some of you might say, I had hoped to have traveled more in life, or I hoped to be making more money, or I had hoped that we would have grown old together, and I had hoped we would have made more memories. You see, one of the most valuable commodities in in all of the world is hope. We can't live without hope. But yet at the same time, I think we've taken that word hope and the entire concept of hope and we've made it into something else, less than that is intended to be. If we talk about things in terms of what we expect or we hope that they will that we are, will, will experience. We say things like, I hope I pass the test. Or we say, I hope my team will win today. You ask people, are you going to heaven when you die? And so many people say, well, I hope so. You look, we need to be able to be confident and bold in our life. And that's what hope brings to us. Whenever hope is described in the Bible... It is not hesitant about the future. It is always talking about absolute certainty. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So what is hope when we come to, to a despairing point of our life? See, hope is the ability to stand in the present and to look into the future with confidence and with Expectation. We've all come to that point of where we need that hope. It's more than just thinking that you can succeed, or you can get over this, or that you can conquer. It is an expectancy in your life because of the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And that leads us to the third observation. And that is that Jesus is the only source of hope for your broken heart. When we look at this passage of Scripture, I think it, I think it just is kind of a microcosm of life for so many of us. Because these two the followers of Jesus had already given up hope and left Jerusalem and gone back home. There were times that some of the other disciples did the same thing. At that same time, perhaps, going on there, Peter was the one that said, I'm going to go fishing. He went back to the only thing that he ever knew. They forgot about the fact that Jesus said, I've come into the world to die for the sins of the world, to die for your sins, I will be crucified, dead and buried, but on the third day I will rise again. And as you catch what these two would-be followers of Christ said earlier in the dialogue, they said, after all, it's the third day. And see, they they didn't recognize that Jesus was with them. And so they were filled with hopelessness rather than hope. And and if we take a look at how Jesus Uh, interacted with them and how they interacted with Jesus, I think we find the answer to the fact that Jesus is the only source of hope for your broken heart. What happened to them? First of all, they walked with Jesus. Uh, The the scripture is very clear that as they walked along, Jesus fell in step with them. And when they understood who he was, then their sadness was turned to joy and their despair was replaced with hope. In fact, the Bible, when it talks about walk with, speaks about a close relationship. Uh, My thoughts carry me all the way back to the book of Genesis and a man by the name of Enoch. And the Bible says, what about Enoch? Enoch walked with God. And then there was a point where God just took Enoch and, and took him up to heaven with him. And Enoch didn't experience death at all. See, walking with Jesus means that we have an everyday, every moment relationship with Jesus. So many people I fear... I have this kind of attitude about Jesus that we keep him in, the, in a part of our life kind of like the spare tire in the trunk in our car. And we only bring it out when we have an emergency. And Jesus is like that. He, he's compartmentalized in our life. We don't have an intimate, close relationship where we walk with him every day and every moment of every day. But we kind of bring him out in times of trouble if we have a blowout in our spiritual life. And that's not why God created us. You know why God created us? He created us because he wanted creations made in his image so he could have a relationship with us and have fellowship with us. We go back to the Garden of Eden and we look at that. That was the reason why he created Adam. Then he saw that Adam was lonely and without a a relationship. And so he created Eve the woman and gave to him. And in that picture we find the basis of a relationship where there is companionship and where there is completion and fulfillment. But then we know the reality of the fact that uh, Adam and Eve chose to sin and they sinned and they rebelled against God and they and they disappointed God. And it broke that beautiful relationship because the Bible says that they used, he used to walk in the garden in the cool of the evening and fellowship with them. And this time when he went looking for them, they had hidden themselves. And Jesus, God called out and said, where are you? And God didn't need to know where they were. He knew where they were. He wanted them to know where they were. He wanted them to know that they were separated from him. They were hiding from God. The implication of the scripture today is is don't hide from God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. We need to walk with Jesus as these two disciples did on the road to Emmaus. See, you've got to quit hiding in the darkness of sin to walk with Jesus. Jesus. First John 1.7 says, if we walk in the light as He is, is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, purifies us from all sin. So we need that for our forgiveness. We also need it because we face temptation every day. And sometimes when we fall to those temptations, it's when we lead to our hope being destroyed and our hearts being broken. And that's when despair and disappointment creeps into our life. But the Bible says to us in Galatians 5 16, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, in other words, if you have that close, intimate walk with Jesus, then you will not be tempted to the point of falling to that sin and to that lust that you have in your heart. And then we all need guidance in our life. And what better way to be guided in life than to walk with Jesus? He's not going to lead you astray. He's going to lead you on the straight and narrow paths. He's going to lead you in the way that you should go. Isaiah 30, 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you say, This is the way. Walk in it. See, these disciples walked with Jesus. So let me ask you, how was your walk with Jesus today? How was your walk with Him through life? Now notice the second thing, they listened to Jesus. As Jesus fell in step with them they they were bemoaning the fact that they thought this was the Messiah and yet he had not yet appeared to them. They didn't understand what had happened and their hopes were dashed and their hearts were broken because they thought he was still dead and in that tomb. And so Jesus had to teach them and they listened to Jesus. And the scripture says to us first of all that Jesus explained to them that he had to die for sins to be forgiven Verse 26, Jesus said, Did not the Christ have to suffer in order to enter His glory? You see, those two disciples thought that the crucifixion was a disaster and a tragedy and God was defeated. And Jesus has to remind them that that's the purpose and the reason why He came into the world. He came as that sacrificial lamb to fulfill all the sacrifices of all the lambs that had ever been sacrificed for the sins of the people. That's why John the Baptist would look at him and he would say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then as they listened more to Jesus, they saw that Jesus was teaching them that all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ himself. See, as they walked along, he gave them a lesson on the entire Old Testament. You know, and he said in verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the Scriptures concerning himself. You know, sometimes you pick up the Bible and try to read it, and, and, it, and it's, a, it's a confusing book. It's got some things in there that you really maybe don't understand. But if you would just base, it, base your understanding on the Bible this way, that the key to understanding the Bible... Is that it always points to Jesus? See, all of the Old Testament says the Messiah is coming. All of the gospels say the Messiah has come. And then the epistles and the and the and the book of Revelation all talk about the fact that the Messiah is going to return. Can you imagine what it had to have been like for these two to have walked with Jesus and heard him explain the scriptures? Many of us have had the opportunity to sit under some wonderful, wonderful Bible teachers. But wouldn't it be wonderful to have walked with Jesus and heard Him open our hearts and minds to understand the Scripture? And wouldn't it be nice for Him to do it in such a way so that we would know that all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ, our Savior? That there's no other name given to us for salvation? There is no other name given to us when we feel hopeless. There is no other name given to us when we need healing. There is no other name given to us when we are in times of trouble. There is no other name given to us when, when, when sickness racks our body with pain. You see if we walk with Jesus and we listen to His teaching then we know that He is with us. And He will satisfy all that we have as needs in our life. And all of our brokenness and all of our despair and all of our disappointment will be turned into victory and triumph. And that's the third thing that we would notice with these two disciples is that they came to the point where they saw Jesus as they needed to see Him. They they, they came close to Emmaus and they thought Jesus was going to walk on and they said, come with us, come home with us, and Jesus did. And then the Scripture says that, that He sat down with them And when he broke the bread, there was something in that breaking of the bread that made them recognize that this was Jesus. Immediately before that, Jesus had said to them, "'How foolish you are and slow of heart to believe.' And then when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight." I think there's a a beautiful painting that we have here to put on the screen entitled The Supper at Emmaus, and I hope you can see it. The two would-be followers are over here to the right, and and the smaller one looks like he's about to fall off the bench in such surprise. And the bigger one is pointing the finger at Jesus like, it's you, it's you. And if you can see on Jesus' hand, on the backside you can even see the nail print on his hand. Now we don't know exactly exactly. how these disciples recognized Jesus. It could have been in, in, in the way that he broke the bread